Take our Bibles and turn to Micah, chapter number 6. The book of Micah, one of the minor prophets, chapter 6. Our ushers have a handout for the message this evening. Micah, chapter number 6. A national news source this last week ran an opinion piece. It led with this statement, quote, Last week in Loudoun County, Virginia, a group of teachers and education officials were publicly exposed for conspiring to attack parents who challenged the abhorrent lessons designed to teach their children to discriminate against groups based solely on their external traits. The radical ideology these teachers are pushing, known as the critical race theory, essentially establishes a new metric for human value, one rooted in Marxism. The national news sources, uh, Fox News, ABC, and a variety of sources, uh, covered the story of Loudoun County's public school system last week, and um, that coverage wasn't favorable toward us, but, uh, but it, it kind of uh, brought to the forefront some things about education in Loudoun County, uh, that um, that are happening uh, as we speak. The critical race theory has been around a long time. It's nothing new. Uh, it's been a part of a larger discussion about American society and everything that's wrong with American society. The impact of critical race theory, or known as CRT, has exploded in the last couple of years due to all the social unrest, the civil unrest that has occurred. Christians have taken note of Micah chapter 6, and if you turned over there with me, Micah chapter 6, verse number 8, the Bible says, He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. The first of those statements what doth the Lord require thee but to do justly has become the kind of a, a catchphrase for the social justice that has been um, talked about and has been a part of a lot of discussion uh, in America. Uh, social justice. And who would argue with the desire to be just in all of our social discourse? And God requires of us to do justly. But many have noted that what is meant by social justice is not what we think is meant by social justice. An ABC News article, a national news story, said, quote, Critical race theory became a flashpoint in education following the rise in civil unrest last year. Proponents describe CRT as teaching equity in all aspects of life and examining the way systemic racism and white privilege leads to inequitable situations. Well, these national news stories targeting Loudoun County and some things that have happened in Loudoun County has uh, given uh, rise to a new height of awareness of the, and importance in our area uh, due to this news coverage regarding something that happened in our county regarding the Loudoun County public school system. Now, what happened? 
in Loudoun County that brought us national recognition and has uh, drawn the attention of our country to our county and our public schools in our county. Well, what happened started a few years ago in 2019, the Loudoun County Public Schools formed what they called an equity committee. And I want you to I want you to notice that word equity. We're going to talk about that word equity a little bit. Loudoun County Public Schools in 2019 formed what they called an equity committee and assigned it with the responsibility of reviewing the school board's policies and practices to ensure that equity is practiced in our school system and classes. The school system hired a California consulting firm at a taxpayer cost of just under a half a million dollars to produce an equity audit by forming focus groups in Loudoun County public schools. And so that began back in 2019. Now, Loudoun County Public School that year consisted of 94 schools, 84,000 students with a Racial makeup of 46% white, 23% Asian, 18% Hispanic, and 7% black. So the 70% of the student makeup in Loudoun County Public Schools the year that they started studying whether or not we're being equitable uh, was 70% either white or Asian and uh, 18% Hispanic and 7% black. So the Loudoun County Public School hired this consulting form. They started these focus groups across Loudoun County. They they conducted their work in 24 schools of the 94 schools. And the focus groups involved Loudoun County Public School staff, students, and parents of students. But the only parents of students they allowed in the focus groups were parents of either Hispanic or black students. Now, mind you, that was... Uh, less than 30% of the student ratio, they wouldn't allow any parents of white or Asian children in the focus groups. They only had parents of Hispanic and black students. They uh, conducted the focus groups across 24 of the 94 schools, and the end result of that was 23 allegations from the Hispanic and black students against the treatment they'd received in the public school system. Now, based on that limited information, the Loudoun County School Board approved an equity plan and an, quote, action plan to combat systemic racism. Now, how you identify systemic racism amongst 94,000 students with that small a focus group, I don't know, but they created an action plan to remove the systemic racism from our Loudoun County public schools and classrooms. As part of the recommendations that the California consulting firm made as a result of the focus groups, there were many changes, but amongst them was to include changes to the Loudoun Academy of Science and the Academy of Engineering and Technology to solve the obvious racial problem that was seen in the racial makeup of the students in the Loudoun Academy of Science and the Academy of Engineering and Technology. The focus uh, or the, uh, the, the consulting firm from California recommended that they move away from a merit-based admission to those institutions and replace it 
with a lowering of standards and selecting the applicant pool on the base of the racial target they wanted at the end of the day. So they would achieve what would be called an equitable outcome of the right number of different uh, groups in the engineering and technology school and academy of science rather than merit-based student group. Well, all of this began to happen, and Loudoun County Public School parents began to learn what the school board was doing with their children. And so many parents began to vocally oppose the Loudoun County Public Schools change of direction in incorporating the critical race theory in the education process, which led to the national news story that identified that the school board, members of the school board, as well as uh, parents of children in Loudoun County schools and school teachers had formed a organization uh, with a name and a presence who were collecting the names, addresses, cell phone numbers, and social uh, media accounts of any parent known to have spoken against critical race theory and to begin to dox them, to shame them into silence, and to, to let them know that your opinion is not desired or considered to be valid to any discussion. And so the effort to silence the parents that had spoken against the critical race theory. That hit the news, and that's why we got national coverage over the last two weeks. And that was turned over, I have read, to the Loudoun County Sheriff's Department to investigate potential criminal activity in what they were doing to the parents who had spoken critically of the critical race theory. This is a big deal. It is a deal that deals with a number of doctrines in the Bible. It is a big deal with regards to whether someone holds to a biblical worldview of what justice is and what um, racism is. It deals with uh, a number of issues that impact one's understanding of life as a Christian. And so my question to you tonight is, do you have any level of understanding regarding what's going on? Now, I confess to you, I did not. I had never read anything about the critical race theory until it hit public, national news. When it hit national news, I began to read. I began to research. I began to try to find out what's going on that I've been unaware of that has been happening. And, of course, I know for years on the university level... There has been an indoctrination to indoctrinate university students to accept Marxism as a social philosophy of life that incorporates a rewriting of American history uh, to be able to make America a, a racist country and the need for overturning America and establishing a Marxist social agenda. I know that has been happening on a university level. Uh, I became aware as a result of this national news story that it is in our elementary schools in Loudoun County. It's in our high schools in Loudoun County. And any parent that speaks against it is being attacked and being let know that their opinions and their voice is not desirable. So how would we view 
critical race theory. What is critical race theory? What is it all about? And, and what does it have to do with the Bible and a biblical worldview? What, what is a, how does our Christianity inform or speak to the critical race theory? And so I want to, for a few moments this evening, talk to you about these things. And um, bottom line up front, uh, a biblical worldview will always be necessary to our critical understanding of and addressing the issues of social life in the culture in which we live at any time in history. We must have a biblical worldview and we must know Bible doctrine in order to understand and in order to properly relate to or address the issues of life at the time in which we live. So how does critical race theory run diametrically opposed to a biblical worldview? That's my interest. And so I want to do two things. I've given you the little handout. And by the way, on the back of the handout, if you haven't turned it over yet, on the back of the handout is a list of sources that I have read, watched, uh, very interesting on critical race theory. And um, if you're interested in doing your own research, by the way, if you have children in any level of education in Loudoun County, public school, Christian school, any kind of school, private school, because this is not limited to the public school. Christian schools have adopted critical race theory in their history departments in order to be able to say we're not racist. Churches are promoting the critical race theory because they don't want to be viewed as racist. And so this, goes, this is not a public school issue. This is an education issue that goes far beyond any particular school system. So if you have any child at any level of education or you just want to know what's happening to your country and your world from a Christian perspective, I would encourage you to watch some video, read some articles, become aware of what's happening as I have done over the last week to two weeks. Now, I know it's not always easy to be able to type out all of those things to try to get to those sites if you're interested, email me and I'll send you a soft copy so that you can cut and paste uh, into your, your browser and you can go to any of those places you might be interested in going to. Let me step through five things about that I'm calling a primer on CRT. I ask myself the question, what in the world is critical race theory? Number one, critical race theory connections. Critical race theory is a subset of what has historically been called critical theory, which developed from Marxism. Real simple connection. Critical theory, some involved in critical theory, date it to have begun in 1937 when the Institute for Social Research in Frankfurt put out a manifesto of critical theory. The Institute for Social Research in Frankfurt was modeled after the Moscow-based Marx-Engels Institute, and it's all about how to develop Marxism in your social and political philosophies. That's been around since at least the 1930s in, in, in the world and in America. Now, critical theory then spawned critical legal theory as people began to study the American legal philosophy and how they believed the, the American legal philosophy enabled our country to be as white supremacy country. And therefore, under, legal, under critical legal theory, how to develop Marxism into our legal system to overcome 
the legal system that has promoted white supremacy in America. The critical legal theory then spawned critical race theory, which developed Marxism using the perceived systemic racism and the inequality of races in American society. So this thing is not new. It's been around a long time. It is new in our elementary schools, perhaps, but it's not new to uh, philosophy and sociology. Let me go to number two, critical race theory and word definitions. Here's where it becomes really difficult. You understand, I'm sure, that whenever someone wants to change a culture, the first thing they do is get a hold of the language used to describe the change they want. They take good words and make them bad. They take bad words and make them good. They redefine what a word means and use it in their new definition which makes it difficult to understand what is being talked about, difficult to have a logical conversation about something. When I was raised, if I wanted to describe someone that was happy and jovial, I would say, that's a gay person. First thing that the homosexual movement did was they changed the terms in order to change the thinking of people. And that's what's happening with the critical race theory. Let me give you some examples. Racist. Are you a racist? Now, The classic definition of being a racist is if you look at a person's ethnicity and you either promote them as having greater value in your mind because of their ethnicity or you demote them as having lesser value as a human being because of their ethnicity, you are a racist. If ethnicity causes you to respect or to demote A person, in your mind, you are a racist. But that is not at all what critical race theorists mean when they use the word racist. In critical race theory, racist means anyone with prejudice plus power. In order to be a racist, you must have a prejudice against somebody and be in a position of power to hurt them. Only then can you be racist. I'm prejudiced and I have the power to oppress. Therefore, I am a racist. Now, because of that, a black person cannot be racist by definition. A black person can hate white people, but they can't be racist. Because black, the group, the group of blacks are not in a position of oppression To be able to oppress whites. So therefore, by definition, a black person cannot be racist. By definition, a white person is racist whether they know it or not. Because they belong to a group that has oppressed blacks throughout the entire history of America, creating a white supremacist country. So you are a racist if you're black, if you're white. You may not think you're a racist. You may not look down upon anybody, but you are a racist by definition because you belong to a group. Now, let me stop just for a moment. In critical race theory, nothing is individual. It's what group you're in. And if you are in a group that oppresses another group, you are a racist regardless of what you do as an individual. You are racist. So uh, if a black person lashes out against a white person, they're not being a racist. 
They're merely reacting to years of hurt and the pain of being oppressed. But they're not racist just because they hate whites and lash out against whites. However, if you're a white person and you lash out against a black person, you are very definitely racist. But more than that, even if you don't lash out against the black, you're racist. You're racist because you are in the group of whites. Now, what is whiteness? To the critical race theory, whiteness is the American system of privilege that allows a white person to continue receiving preferential treatment. So, whiteness is not biology. Whiteness is a position of power. Whiteness is a system of economics and legal profession and politics in America that enables the group of whites to be able to receive preferential treatment, to earn more money, to have better jobs. So our whole system is tweaked to oppress anyone not white. And whiteness is to be in a part of that American system of privilege. Now, white supremacy. I always, in, in my generation growing up, white supremacy was Nazis. White supremacy was the KKK. That's not white supremacy to the critical race theory. White supremacy to the critical race theory is the American system of economics, legal structure, and political structure that keeps whites on top in America. White supremacy is a system of government, legal, legality, and economy that makes sure white people stay on top. That's white supremacy, according to critical race theory. Whites will always be racist. It's what America is all about. If a white employer employs a black person, and that black person works hard, shows up to work on time, they're punctual, they do a good job. If that white employer promotes the black employee, critical race theory says that white employee is being a racist. He's being a racist because he would have never promoted that black person unless he got a perk from something in the system. And he would never promote a black person for some other cause like punctuality, hard work, doing their job. They would never promote a black person for those causes. Those causes don't exist. They promoted the black person because somewhere that white person got a perk. And that's why they promoted the black person to be able to receive that perk. Therefore, that white employer who promoted that black employee is a racist because everything is racism. And nothing that a white person can do is not racist. It's all racially motivated, according to critical race theory. Now, racism is not merely biological, but it's, it's sociological, they say. Critical race theory says it's, it's it, you know, to be, to be a racist ha, is not merely what color your skin is or what your ethnicity is. To be a racist is, is how soci, society works around you. And uh, as they even uh, and there's a lot of confusing things that don't seem to jive. The more you, the more I have read about critical race theory, listen to people in critical race theory, uh, it becomes confusing at times. And it seems to one, one person says one thing, one person says another. But some in the critical race theory say that that a person with black skin can really be white sociologically. 
depending on their beliefs and actions. Ben Carson will always be white to a critical race theorist. Because it's not racism biological, it's sociological. So Ben Carson will always be white. And Vody Bauckham will always be white, even though both of these men are black individuals. But they're successful black individuals that have done well in life, that have done well economically in prestige and, and, and job and, and all of that. And they've done that because they have become a part of the white system of white supremacy that gathered all those, that wealth and that power and that prestige by oppressing minorities and oppressing groups that are disadvantaged. And so, therefore, a black person who utilizes white supremacy to be able to be successful is not black, they're white. And a white person can really be black based on their beliefs and actions. That's why our president said that if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Because in his mind, blackness is what you believe and who you vote for. And that's political, sociological. And so, as a white, you earn your blackness by appropriate beliefs. By the way, that can be your salvation from white supremacy. If you will grovel and apologize for everything you are responsible for, for making America a white supremacist nation... And if you recognize that all the money you have in your bank is because you have oppressed disadvantaged groups and you are a racist to the core of your being and you admit admit that and you give up your wealth to disadvantaged groups because you acquired it through your white supremacy, then you can be saved from your racism and be more black. Well, definition of terms is really important in even being able to follow what the critical race theory says. Let me jump to number three, critical race theory and social justice. Social justice is a key phrase that comes up over and over and over again in critical race theory. But it doesn't mean what someone would assume it means. Who would be against social justice? We're all for justice. God is a just God. But the critical race theorists do not mean, when they use the phrase social justice, what we would think they mean when they use the Phrase social justice. To a Christian, all injustice is sin. God is a just God. But in today's world of redefining terms to push a Marxist society, social justice doesn't mean treating all people fairly or justly. What is social justice? Well, as defined by the critical race proponents, critical race theory proponents, social justice is the governmental redistribution of all advantages and resources currently held by whites Two disadvantaged groups to satisfy their right to social and economic equality. Let me read that again. Social justice is the government redistributing all advantages and resources. They, that's what they call power. When they call, when they, when critical race theory talks about power, they're talking about advantage and um, resources, money. Advantages and resources, that's power. Social justice is for the government to step in, take all of the advantages you have as a white person that you have acquired in a white supremacist country to take that from you and redistribute it to disadvantaged groups. That's social justice. Social justice is not about treating individuals justly. 
It's not about how you treat a person individually. Social justice is about the oppressors giving up all that they have and have it redistributed to the disadvantaged. How do they intend to accomplish that? Four things. Number one, you you identify disadvantaged groups. Number two, once you've identified disadvantaged groups, you assess the group outcomes. What is the power or the wealth or the advantages of that group? Once you've assessed the group outcomes, then you assign the blame for that outcome. If that's the outcome and it's negative, somebody's to blame. Somebody calls that. You've got to find out who calls that. Guess who calls that? White males calls that. And so, therefore... Once you've identified the group, once you've identified the group outcomes, then you assign blame to who caused that outcome. And then you'd redistribute the resources of the ones who are to be blamed, giving them to the disadvantaged groups to to redress their grievances. And by the way, if you claim that the reason a group of disadvantaged don't have the outcome that another group has, if you claim that there may be some behavior or some decisions that people in that group made, like not showing up to work on time, like not trying to find a job, if there are reasons why within that group that they have the outcome they have, you are a racist guilty of victim blaming, and you're obviously trying to hold on to your oppressor power. That's critical race theory. Now, critical race theory and equality versus equity. Equality and equity is huge. Equality means that you treat people equally. Doesn't matter what the color of their skin is. Doesn't matter what their economic bracket is. You may be rich. You may be poor. You may be Asian. You may be black. You may be white. You may be Hispanic. You may be whatever. But I treat you The same. That is equality. Equality is bad. Equality is racist. Color blindness is racist, according to critical race theory. What they want is not equality. They want equity. Equity exists when you treat a group differently than you treat another group because of the outcome that that group is experiencing. So you treat them differently in order to get a different outcome. And if you can cause the outcome of that group to match the outcome of a privileged group, then everything is equitable. And you have reached an equitable outcome. But you'll never reach an equitable outcome by treating everyone the same. You have got to find out who is disadvantaged and treat them differently to get the right outcome. This has been termed social communism. Let me give you an illustration. Now, I wish this wasn't uh, a time when the kids were upstairs because I needed a bunch of short people. Let me give you an illustration. So imagine this in your mind. Imagine on this side of the platform, we've got a basketball team. And every member of the basketball team is six foot ten inches tall. Okay? Jamie, I would have used you if we'd had those short kids here. On this side of the platform is another basketball team. And this basketball team, every player on the team is five foot six inches tall. Okay? Entire team, five foot six. Entire team, six foot ten. 
Now, if we treat both groups the same, if we have equality in the game of basketball, so that this team plays by the same rules that this team plays by, so there is equal treatment of both teams, would anyone wager what the outcome of the game might be? Will the outcome of the game be equal? Will they, will this team of six foot ten inch players score the same number of points as this group of five foot six inch players? Or would anyone suggest that just maybe I can predict the outcome and this team is going to score more points? Now, in the world of critical race theory, what is important is the outcome. And the outcome must be equitable. Or, or the outcome must be equal. And in order to get the outcome equal, you must treat people equitable. And so, in order to get the outcome that we want, we have got to treat the two teams differently. So we're going to have a set of rules that this team has to follow. And we'll have a set of rules that this team has to follow. And there'll be different sets of rules. For instance, the team that's six foot ten inches tall, whenever they're on offense and they've got the ball, and they're driving towards the net, there is a circle, half round, that's 15 feet away from the net. Now, when the 6 foot 10 inch team is on offense, when they get to that line, they cannot take the ball across that line. They must stop at the 15 foot line, and they must shoot from the 15 foot line. However, the team of 5 foot 6 inch players can take the ball all the way to the net. But this still isn't going to bring the outcome that some would expect. So, we have to have a second rule. The six foot ten inch players, whenever they're on defense, they must maintain a four foot separation from any player on the other team who has the ball. So they cannot be within four feet. However, the team that's five foot six inches, they're not bound by that rule. They can play right up to the offensive, the, the player or offense that has the ball. Now, you work the rules and you treat the groups differently because the, the outcome that you're looking for is an outcome in which both groups have an equal outcome. And you'll never have an equal outcome between those two groups if you treat the groups the same. So you have to find a way to bring equity in, to be equitable. And so you have to come up with different ways to treat the different groups. So at the end of the day, you have the outcome that you're driving for. The bottom line is you cannot treat all people the same. And if you treat everyone the same, if you view everyone the same, if you're colorblind to race, you are a racist. You must treat disadvantaged groups differently than non-disadvantaged groups in order to get the outcome that needs to be achieved. CRT believes that all Outcome inequalities are the result of systemic racism that is integrated into every part of American life, our economic system, our legal system, our political system. And the only remedy is that America must be completely overhauled to rid our nation of systemic racism. 
This ultimately requires a total remake of America into a Marxist state to rid us of our systemic racism based on white supremacy. We are white supremacists and have always been. And the only way to fix systemic racism is to totally remake America. That brings me to number five. Finally, critical race theory in America's history. CRT proposes that the history of America has presented has been presented throughout our history in an extremely flawed and racist way, which has resulted in the ability of producing a white supremacist nation called America, uh, a nation that has allowed whites to be entitled and racist, whether they realize it or not. CRT's revised history of America teaches that America was formed to promote Anglo American superiority. The whole purpose of our country from our founding was to promote white supremacy. And our entire country has always existed for the purpose of making sure whites rule other races. Now, how do they teach that? Well, we were taught, I was taught, that America was formed in 1776 when our forefathers signed the Declaration of Independence and our founding ideals were liberty and justice for all. We were flawed. We had big problems. Every country in the world enslaved people. Race, uh, uh, slavery has been a human problem in every country in the world. Our country fought to solve it and to remove it, while other countries didn't. So what is taught about America's history? Well, I was taught that our country was as flawed as we are and as long as it took us to get to the point where we actually practiced our founding principles of liberty and justice for all, that's when we were started, 1776. However, critical race theory says that no, 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 no. America started 157 years earlier than 1776. It started in August of 1619 when a ship carrying 20 enslaved Africans landed on the Virginia shoreline. That was 157 years before America became America by the signing of the Declaration of Independence. However, critical race theory says that's when our country was founded. Why was it founded? It was founded to enslave blacks. It was founded to build white privilege on the backs of enslaved blacks. The whole purpose of America was racist from our beginning. Now, that, that, is, um, that happened in 1619 when that ship landed in Virginia. In 2019, critical race theorists celebrated the 400th anniversary of the landing of that slave ship. In 2019, the New York Times released what they called the 1619 Project. The 1619 Project was a revision of American history that said America did not start in 1776. America started in 1619. And America started not to be able to have a place of liberty and justice for all. America started as a place to build white supremacy on the backs of disadvantaged groups. And that's why America was started. And so. Our government, our guiding principles. Is to enable white supremacists to maintain superiority at a cost of all inferior races. Thus, all whites are racist by nature of their whiteness 
And America exists in its laws, politics, and economy to maintain white privilege. Correcting the evil of racism begins with rewriting America's history. So they did. They rewrote America's history based on the 1619 Project. That history is currently being taught in over 4,000 public schools in America today. That America started as a racist country of white supremacists founded for the purpose of maintaining white supremacy in a new world. And it started in 1619. This flawed and imaginary history, rewritten history of America's beginnings and founding purpose and founding beliefs is being taught in American school systems in order to create the belief that America is a white supremacist nation that is designed to maintain such supremacy through our education, judicial system and political philosophy. Uh, recently, Governor DeSantis in Florida ma made the national news by stating that the 1619 Project and the history that it spawned will not be taught in any Florida public school. It's taught in our schools. And it's taught in schools across America. And unfortunately, it's taught in some Christian schools. And it's taught in some churches that are wanting to distance themselves from the ugly word of racism. And so they're accepting CRT. Well, that brings me to the last, the end of this message. And that, and that has to do with biblical worldview. You can't end up at the right place if you start at the wrong place. You've got to start with the justice of God. A right system begins with God's truth. As I've said, some churches are embracing uh, critical race theory because they don't want to be called racist. Some Christian schools have implemented it because they don't want to be called racist. Nobody wants to be called racist. And since every white person is a racist by definition to the critical race theory, then those who don't like that accusation have embraced critical race theory in some form or fashion. The biblical reality is that all racism is sin. Real racism is sin. It is a sin. For any human being to look up or down at another human being based on their wealth or their ethnicity or their gender. The Bible makes that emphatically clear. James chapter 2 talks about, calls it the sin of partiality, condemns the sin of partiality. Jesus Christ said, love your enemies. Jesus Christ implored us to treat people the way we want people to treat us. The church epistles written by the Apostle Paul, say that in, in Christ's church, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, male nor female, rich nor poor. A church is a melting pot. We don't treat people one way because of their bank account and treat somebody else differently because of their bank account. We don't treat one person differently because their skin is lighter or darker. We don't treat somebody differently because of their ethnicity, what part of the world they came from. We don't treat people differently for any of these things because that's what our Bible requires of us. We accept everybody and treat everybody the same. And anything short of that is sin. And churches throughout American history that advocated such racism will give an account or have given an account to Jesus Christ for the way they treated people of other ethnicities. The Bible is very clear. Other Christians are warning of the implications of critical race theory in light of what the Bible teaches. Sin is not a group concept. Critical race theory requires us to not think in terms of the individual, but think in the terms of the group. 
how a group is treated, what the outcome of a group is, and then treating that group differently in order to get a different outcome for that group. The Bible does not deal with groups. Nobody gets saved as a group. When, a, when an adult gets saved, their kids aren't automatically saved because their parents got saved. God deals with people as individuals, not as groups. That is foundational core to a biblical worldview. God deals with us as individuals. We stand before God as individuals, not as groups. Salvation is not a group concept. As individuals, we're each responsible to God for our actions, not for the actions of the group that we happen to belong to economically or ethnically or any other way. CRT blends racism and gender into an interpretation of a new reality that seeks to explain all that's wrong in America. Their view of both race and gender are diametrically opposed to a biblical worldview. Because a biblical worldview views all races as singular. There is no races, plural. There is only one race, the human race, and every human being is in that one singular human race. We're all of one blood, of one race, of one uh, genealogical uh, development all the way back to Adam and Eve. There is one race, not multiple races. Biblical worldview of gender views all humankind as either male or female based on biology, which is intricately related to childbirth. As a matter of fact, Eve was called a woman, and the word woman means a man with a womb. A biblical worldview views all of humanity as man, mankind, human. Man was the name of the human race gender-wise. But there was a distinction in the human race. Some men had wombs and some men didn't have wombs. And that's how God differentiated the difference in gender. It was a biological distinction based on childbirth. And that's God's, that's a biblical worldview of, of what God revealed in his word about the essence of gender and who is what. It's the definition of the reality of gender. So a biblical worldview identifies the two genders as co-equal in worth. The man with a womb and the man without a womb are of equal value, importance, dignity, and worth. A biblical worldview sees every human being, male, female, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Rich, poor, every human being is the image of God. And as the image of God, they have dignity, they have worth, they have value as individuals. That's a biblical worldview. In closing, let me say that or in, in origins, you know, all the issues of prejudice over these things are solved by a biblical worldview. As far as origins, we're of one blood, one race, each bearing the image of God. As far as our state, every individual is a sinner condemned by our Creator. We are in Adam, fallen race on our way to hell. Our salvation is individual forgiveness through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. 
Our resulting identity is that we are now in Christ. Every human being, are, they're either in Adam or they're in Christ. That's not economics. That's not ethno, ethnic, ethnicity. That's not uh, any superficial uh, description of them. Every human being is either in Christ or they're in Adam. That's our identity of who we are. And the sin of partiality is a sin of treating people differently because of superficial distinctions about them. And that is a sin. It's always been a sin. It's condemned as a sin in the Bible. God sees us as individuals, not as members of a group. And each individual sins as an individual. And each individual must give an account of themselves to God as an individual. A biblical worldview solves the problems of what our world is wrestling with and being torn into pieces over. And a biblical worldview totally forbids the critical race theory from being given any serious consideration. And certainly it's not wise to allow our children to be indoctrinated in a Marxist philosophy that rips the heart and soul of the gospel out of the Bible and changes the reality of who we are into something that man has concocted in order to achieve Marxist socialist goals of destroying America and remaking it into another country. I would say, you better be careful who you hire to indoctrinate your children. You better be careful who you hire to indoctrinate your children. And you better make sure that they get far more information that will combat that indoctrination than what they get five days a week being indoctrinated. And that is an awfully big job that every parent must wrestle with as to how they will allow their children to be indoctrinated. And one day every parent will give an account to God for who we hired to indoctrinate our children. And we will live with the results of it as they become adults and live out whatever the indoctrination was. Be careful. Educate yourself. If you're interested in these uh, clips, um, email me and I'll send you a soft copy if that will make it easier to cut and paste. Make sure you know what's happening in your world. It is a world that is opposing the truth of the word of God and the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ.